0: Welcome to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Thanks for listening. Our desire is to help you advance in your faith journey no matter where you are. For more information on our church, please check out cthope.com. Well, thanks for tuning in again to Hope Church Online this week. Uh, If you're a guest, welcome. My name is Dan. I'm the teaching pastor here And we have been taking a look at a series out of the book of Daniel in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's called Culture Shock. We mentioned that many people feel culture shock right now with everything that's been going on in our world for the last year or more, uh, and how things are changing rapidly. So today we're going to continue that talk. But before we go any further, I want to start today with a bold statement. That bold statement is this. The world is going to end Tuesday night, it is. Uh, The world is going to catch on fire. Uh, We are going to cease existence. It's going to burn up and be gone and there will be no human history on Wednesday. Now, if kids are watching today and they have a test on Wednesday, I'm sure they're thankful to hear this bold statement uh, being made by me, the prophet. Now, obviously that's a ridiculous statement that I just made. But I know that there are some of you today who feel that way who feel that based on an election that is happening in our country on Tuesday, that the world is going to end. It is all over, come home, uh, come Lord, take us home. We we don't want to be here anymore. And you live in fear. You're terrified. There's others of you that laugh when I make a statement like that because you realize that's ridiculous. Wednesday morning is another day. And we're going to have to still go to work. And we're still going to have to do what we do. And then there's others who uh, oftentimes will laugh and yet live their life as though it is true. They will say, yes, that's ridiculous. There is gonna be human history Wednesday, but yet they put their focus, their time, their efforts, their energy into uh, proving themselves that they don't believe that. They do believe the opposite. Regardless of who you are and what camp you fall into, it's a big deal on Tuesday it doesn't help that when you turn on the tv just to watch a show to get your mind off of it or even watch a game to get your mind off of everything going on in our country uh, you have commercials saying that this is the most important election in the history of humankind just like the last one was but they use fear manipulation anger all of your emotions To well up a feeling inside of you of hopelessness, of fear, of anger. And they do that intentionally because emotions are powerful. And if you can control a person's emotions they will respond. We're inundated with this. Some of us do feel this is the most important election in the history of the world. And some of us don't. But let me say this before we go any further. That today is not going to be a political sermon. It isn't. I detest bringing politics into the pulpit. But what today is, is a perspective sermon. We have to have the right perspective about happenings in human history and in American history this week. If we can keep that, we keep our head. If we can't keep that perspective, we're going to lose our minds regardless of what happens. I'm not gonna minimize people's fear this morning. If you're terrified because of whatever the outcome of an election means, I get it. Fear is very real. I'm not gonna say you're dumb for having it. I've had it in the past. Uh, For those of you that maybe you're not afraid, uh, maybe you just have a view on things that you are very proud about and staunch about, I'm not here to slam you for where you stand on every issue under the sun. And it changes all the time. But I do today want you to keep perspective. Keep perspective of what God teaches us. And we see taught in the book of Daniel. I have a second bold statement I want to make today. Anytime you place your trust for the fate of the world in the hands of a human being, you're always going to be disappointed. Anytime you put that responsibility to fill a role that's already been taken by someone we're going to hear about today, when we fill that role of the Savior of the world, with a human being, you will be disappointed. And it was the same with George Washington. It was the same with Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. If we put all of that hope and weight into a human leader, and I'll go even outside of politics, a pastor. If you put all of your happiness and all of your joy and the person that's gonna make everything right in one person, you will be disappointed every time. And yet we still do it. We have to learn from the past. We have to learn that people let people down. History proves it. This is why history is so important to me. I wanna learn from the past because if I don't learn from the past, even in my own personal history, If I don't learn from the past of my own personal history, guess what? I'm doomed to repeat it. So, with this in mind, I don't know how long I'm going to go today because I think it's probably gonna be pretty straightforward and to the point. And another reason why is because what you're gonna hear about today, I talked about on January the 26th of this year. We did a series called Divided We Fall and I had three big ideas from Divided We Fall where we talked about the fact that we need to be the church and citizens of heaven, and not consumed with everything that everyone around us is getting consumed with, with this political stuff. In Divided We Fall, we said that a unified mission of the church eliminates boundaries between the members of the church. If we are on mission to love God, love the world, and serve everyone around us, then guess what? If we're unified on that, and that is what's most important to us, then the other stuff doesn't matter It doesn't matter who they vote for or what they believe on things because we are focused on the primary thing. Secondly, we said that unified resolve demands concessions. If we're going to have a resolve to fulfill that mission, we're going to have to make concessions with each other, to walk in grace with each other uh, despite what another person may believe. And lastly, a unified kingdom of God has real peace. You want peace in a time that is as uncertain as we are in the kingdom of God. Staying focused on it and being devoted to that above any other kingdom on this earth is what brings real peace to our life. So let's look at Daniel and how we see this play out. Daniel chapter 3, last week we talked about. Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got to spend some time in a tanning bed bed known as the Fiery Furnace. uh, And God used them to prove his power over Nebuchadnezzar. And at the very end of the chapter, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, uh, or Babylonia, says, "Uh, your God is the greatest God there is. Oh my goodness. And he praises them, and it seems like, wow, Nebuchadnezzar got it. He finally came around that their God is the true God, not his false gods. Fast forward a whole one verse to chapter 4. Chapter 4 starts different because chapter 4 is actually almost a letter or a statement or a story written by Nebuchadnezzar. And so he Talks At the beginning of this he states who he is, he talks about who he is, and he praises God actually at the very beginning of it. And then he proceeds to say that he had a dream one day. He had another dream. He keeps having these. And, and it's a crazy one. It's, it's one where there's this big tall tree. It says that this big tall tree can be seen all around the world. Apparently he was a flat earther because you can't, you know, see a tree on the other side. Of the road. Okay, that's a kind of a joke. But he, he sees this tree that is tall as anything and the animals and everyone's living underneath the branches of it enjoying it. And then that tree is cut down. The roots, though, remain on purpose And it says in verse 17, the decision is announced by angelic messengers, the holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may see the roots of the tree and know that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets them over the lowliest of people. This is crazy. This is crazy. This dream is nuts. you got a tree getting cut down, roots remain, and then these angels say, this is a sign, and it's also an opportunity for this tree to regrow. But it all depends on one thing, and that is accepting the most high God. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel is over all kingdoms. He is sovereign in control of all things, and he gives kingdoms to whomever He desires. Sometimes he permits them. Sometimes he chooses them. You saw that with Saul, who was permitted because the people wanted a king, and David, who was a man after God's own heart, and he had chosen himself. It says that he gives these kingdoms to the lowliest of people. I had to verify this because when I first read this, it sounded like he gives it to the scum of the earth to rule the, the kingdoms of men. And as much as I would like to, and sometimes feel that way, that's not it at all. He gives it to those who are low in spirit, those who are humble. Now, obviously, we don't always see that. We see leaders that are far from humble. But this was a lesson for Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar was far from humble. You've seen it time and time again, building statues, declaring praise for himself and how great he is, and you're going to see it again in a second. So Nebuchadnezzar has this crazy dream, and once again, he wants an interpretation. So he brings in his magicians, astrologers, all of these you know, people come in, and he tells them the dream, and they're sitting there, and they're like, I have no idea what you ate before bedtime, but you really have got to stop eating it because you keep having these dreams, and we have no idea what it means. So Nebuchadnezzar, once again, Calls on the ultimate dream interpreter, Daniel. Daniel, someone from the Jewish people that he has given power and uh, has uh, promoted high in the kingdom. He brings him in. And as he begins to explain his dream to Daniel, the Bible says something that when Daniel hears a dream, he is perplexed, he is speechless. And we don't know exactly why he was speechless. It could be that Daniel had built a relationship with Nebuchadnezzar who had been kind to him, even though he didn't believe in the same God. And Daniel was afraid to tell him. Or it was hard for him to tell him because this is someone he cared about. This is someone he actually genuinely enjoyed serving. Whatever the case, Daniel gives him the interpretation of the dream. Especially though, on the part about the stump of the tree, the roots remaining. In verse 26, Daniel says, The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. I'm just going to give you some counsel here. Renounce your sin. Turn from it. Stop doing it. Renounce your sin by doing what is right. Do what honors the God that I worship. And also renounce your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed in your kingdom. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Daniel says there's an out with this Nebuchadnezzar. If you just renounce your evil way of living, renounce not following the God of Israel, if you stop mistreating people in your kingdom as they were known to do, then perhaps God will have mercy on you and your kingdom will continue on. Well, again, Nebuchadnezzar is elated. He loves it. He thinks, great, thank you for interpreting that. And one verse later, (laughs) after praising God and Daniel again, It says in verse 29, 12 months later as the king was walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? He's gloating here. He's thinking man I am awesome. Give me my respect. Sounds a little bit like LeBron James, but where is it? I demand this honor for being this amazing individual. Look all that I have done with my own two hands. Am I not the greatest thing in the world? I mean, the greatest thrill for me every morning is that I get to look at myself in the mirror, and it's hard for me to pull myself away from that. Pride. 12 months later, he's been warned. He's been given a chance. Nothing has changed in his heart. And pride is intoxicating. And it says this in verse 31, "...even as the words were on his lips that he was thinking all this, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people." And will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you. Until you acknowledge. That the most high. Is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth. And gives them to anyone he wishes. That's exactly what he heard. Twelve months before. And it didn't really take root in his heart. And God likes to repeat things. Just like I'm repeating some things. That we talked about several months back. Because we can't just think, okay, got it. We have to be reminded of truth over and over and over again till we get it. And Nebuchadnezzar had to get it still. So God humbles him. Literally it says he was driven to insanity. He lived like an animal. This king of all this great kingdom of Babylonia now is living like an animal, living like he's out of his mind, Let's his hair grow long. Let's his beard grow long. He's eating grass. I mean, you know that the people serving him are like, what is going on here? And it says that this went on for a period of time. Uh, That passage said seven times will pass. We aren't 100% sure if that's years, if that's weeks, days, months, whatever. We don't know. But it was a significant amount of time. He loses his mind. And it says that at the end of it, he finally utters words and it is praise ...to the God of Israel. He finally turns. And you see in verse 37, he continues on. He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, now... ...after going through that whole experience of being humbled to like an animal... ...and finally turning to God. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven... ...because everything he does is right... ...and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride he is able to humble. And let me tell you, it happened to me. It appears at the end of this, and we aren't 100% sure, God knows that Nebuchadnezzar finally, (laughs) it only took him having to be reduced to an animal, he finally gets it. He finally turns to God once and for all. Sadly this didn't spread to his son. You can look in chapter 5 under your own time. His son Belshazzar Takes over after Nebuchadnezzar dies. And Belshazzar, guess what he's guilty of? Pride. His greatness. Because of the kingdom his father built. And now he's in control of it. And he has to, as well, just like his father, be humbled when the Persians come one night and take over and beat him into submission and humility. Unfortunately, we don't believe Belshazzar turns. But it appears his father finally did. And all of this because Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that the Most High God is sovereign over all things and gives the kingdoms of the earth to whomever he chooses. If I wanted to summarize that in two words, it was also in some of the verses we just read. And that's our big idea today. Heaven rules. Period. Heaven rules. Rules. Nothing is happening in our world that God did not foresee, that God did not allow, that God did not choose to happen. COVID is no surprise to God. This election, this upcoming week is no surprise to God. He already knows how it plays out. He already knows who the next president is. He knows if there is going to be another president. Let's be honest. We don't know. None of us know. We think we do. But we do know this. Heaven. Rules. The kingdom of heaven rules. God chooses and allows leaders and events in our world because he is sovereign and he works towards his purposes even if we don't get it. Even if we don't understand. Sometimes we get the leader we deserve. And sometimes we don't. But whatever the case, God is in control. Nothing is going to happen this week or the week after or the week after that hasn't happened before. It seems when we're in the midst of history we lose perspective. That it always does seem like it's the most important election, the most important turning point in our country's history. It always feels that way for many of us. And yet when we look through human history, even as I pointed out at the beginning, it's not the first time. It's happened before. In my quiet time I'm reading through the book of Ecclesiastes and I encourage you to read through the book of Ecclesiastes written by Solomon. Because Solomon makes the point there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that's happening has happened before. Don't be surprised by anything. Don't be shocked by anything because guess what? Whatever happens this week is going to happen again sometime. In America or somewhere else it's going to happen so don't be surprised because God is in control of all things, and heaven rules. If heaven rules, you can go to bed early on Tuesday, not knowing who the next president or representatives or how things get voted through. You can go to bed in peace because the next morning is just another day, and God is still on the throne. He's not getting voted out of office. Whoever is in in charge the next day, you know, is no surprise to God. You can also stop uh, the hope in and the pressure on a human being or human beings to be the savior of the world. Shame on us. Shame on us when we think a human is the solution to all of the problems in our world. I'm not saying we don't have a part in being uh, used by God to stop things. I'm not saying we quit. But that we put all of that on a human being Shame on us. And if heaven rules, you know the ultimate outcome and that God is still on the throne and one day He will reign forever. He will reign forever. So, my challenge for you this week, and it will be a challenge for some of us, is to take action on overreaction. Take action on overreaction. Your kids don't need to see an adult who claims to follow Christ weeping before them, terrified out of their mind thinking, my goodness, this is the end of it all. We're all dead. They need to see a parent who's going to say, God's in control. This is who he wants in control. And we're going to trust him and his ways and his reasons. Even if we don't understand it. We need our world to see people who will vote and do their civic duty, but ultimately say, Doesn't matter. God's still in control. We're still going to be used by him. And may the church be different. We have to stop being controlled by the fear that the rest of the world already has. They need hope and we have hope. So let's start living like it. Take action on overreaction. And I close with this statement in the end of everything, in the end of time, in the end of history, Nebuchadnezzar, David, Caesar, King Henry, Charlemagne, George Washington, Stalin, Hitler, Queen Elizabeth, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Vladimir Putin, Ahmadinejad, all will bow before the king of heaven and Earth, and his kingdom will never fail, because heaven rules. Let's pray. God, I don't know where people are at and the level of fear or the level of pride or the level of anger or wherever they are with everything going on this week. Father. You had to humble Nebuchadnezzar. I pray that you won't have to humble us. Lord, that we would take confidence in the fact that heaven rules, that you are in control and you are sovereign and you give the kingdoms of earth to whomever you choose. And so, Father, we lay it before you that we would rest peacefully Tuesday night and wake up Wednesday morning just like another day, knowing that there is no surprise to you. There may be letdowns. There may be excitement, but it doesn't matter because you are in control. And we pray for our nation, Lord, and I I just end with this. We pray for healing in our nation. We pray that the church would lead the healing and not wait for the world or a leader to bring the healing. Help us to start in the church and then may the church bring the healing to the community, To the city to the state to the world use us in a time as this to point to the one who elects all presidents and all kings and all queens and we ask this in the name of Jesus amen